time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. It is the Feast of St. Francis of Rome. St. Francis of Rome was born in 1384 and died in 1440. She received supernatural visions from God, some of which were about hell. She described how one-third of the angels who sinned were cast into hell, while two-thirds remained in grace. St. Francis of Rome also mentioned the three principal demons who follow Lucifer's commands, Asmodeo, who we rebuke in Jesus' name, who represents the vice of the flesh, Mammon, who we rebuke in Jesus' name, head of the vice of avarice, and Beelzebub, who we rebuke in Jesus' name, chief of all the idolaters and the dark works. Professor Plinio believes that the pride and sensuality are the two driving force, forces of the revolution, and that these angels are on earth trying to destroy the church. And we can learn by this how the angels on earth are trying to lead them into danger of sin and how small man is compared to the magnitude of the angelical nature. St. Francis of Rome pray for us. You know, it's really cool. I was reading the biography and there's so much. I, I think during the next hour, I'm going to read to you guys a little bit more about this, this great saint because her visions about the angels, I was kind of, I was kind of blown away by it. I had never heard of this saint, St. Saint Francis of Rome, and I was really surprised. So I may read that to you guys at the, in the top of the next hour. I think it would be a very interesting conversation to have. But a good morning. Happy Thursday. You're almost to the weekend. Congratulations. Are you uh, already checked out for the week? Hopefully not. You still got eh, about less than 16 hours of work before it's weekend time, before you can just kick your legs up. I'm sure you have nothing planned for the weekend. It's a pure and uh, just, just relaxing. I'm sure you don't have a dozen of to-do lists. It's just a very relaxing weekend. That, is that right? Uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, <clears throat> got uh, I got a full weekend, but I'm also looking forward to uh, learning more about uh, St. Francis of Rome, the supernatural world out there, which God p puts a veil between us and them, is very fascinating, and we need to learn more about this because we really have angels and saints up there that can intervene for us through prayer, so I'm really looking forward to, to the show. Yeah, I was really struck by, the, I'll just read to people just the small little portion here. They said the... Uh, that there were those who did not take a side in the battle between Lucifer and God, but remained silent. And those were punished by being inhabitants of the air and the earth. And, the, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. Because if that's the case, that would make sense. Because you think, okay, if you're not with me, you're against me. And so uh, that's what our Lord says, right? And yeah. so it would seem, and then he also says in the apocalypse, the lukewarm he will spew from his mouth. And so it only makes sense that the same thing would apply to the angels, right? Correct. That's it. That is fascinating that there were angels that stood on the sidelines, but because of the lukewarmness, they were set aside and to dwell in the air and the land. That That's fascinating. Yeah, I was very, I had never heard that before. So I was very fascinated by that. So yeah, tune in, make sure you tune in for the next hour, because I'm going to share with you all the rest of that story very, very fascinating to me. At 15 past the hour, we're going to talk about the Antifa attacks on Atlanta and cops. 
Did you hear about that story? Did you did anybody reporting on these terrorist attacks going on in Atlanta? Nope. I haven't. I haven't either. I it took me I heard someone mention it in a in a news brief and I was like, "Oh, I could go find that story." So I was looking for it and it took me forever to find any story that was actually covering what was going on. The closest thing I could find was somebody was reporting Oh, they're actually ecological protesters or something like that. That's ridiculous. I, I heard of uh, a, a lawyer from the Southern Poverty Law Center got caught up yep. and uh, arrested. And the SPLC is defending the lawyer because he's exercising his free speech. Yep. So we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. And then there is breaking news about Franciscan University of Steubenville. You're not going to want to miss that information. At 30 past the hour, Bryce Sokolowski is on for the virtue, talking about the virtue of almsgiving. And I uh, will see. I'll ask him if I pronounce his name correctly, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. These foreign names, very difficult. Uh, my, my first task is to learn how to pronounce all the French words. Then I'll worry about some of the other, uh, the other countries. And the next hour, of course, we'll be playing our game, Fear and Trembling, along with uh, reading a little bit more about Francis of Rome. And so that's going to be the, uh, the format for the show today. So make sure you tune in for every minute. You're not going to want to miss not one section. And we're going to jump in with prayer. We want to pray for Ryan Grant and his wife, Sarah Grant. We're going to pray for Sarah's uh, health, that she be healed, that there would be a miraculous healing. Uh, she is, uh, will be dying of cancer very soon, lest there be a miracle. She has eight kids, a, a newborn. So let's pray for her healing her miraculous healing, and if not, then we'll pray for that God's will be done. And uh, let's pray also today, I had to ask for your charity to pray for my great-grandmother, Janie Hernandez. Her funeral is today, so I'm going to be heading to that later today. And uh, so pray, pray for her, the repose of her soul, and everyone in my family, uh, the many deaths in our family, that uh, they, the repose of their souls as well. Uh, she was uh, my great-grandmother, and she outlived a number of her, her kids. Very amazing. So let's begin with prayer. We'll invoke the uh, the patron saint of a happy death, St. Joseph. We'll pray the Virgo Pater. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God, that armed with the weapons of his grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over his house. Pray for us, O holy St. Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Tuesday. Today is Thursday, March 9, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for today. Tyler Arnold at Catholic News Agency reports the Steubenville Bishop bans Latin Mass at Franciscan University effective immediately. Bishop Jeffrey Monfortin of the Diocese of Steubenville ordered an immediate end to the traditional Latin Mass on the campus of Franciscan University. Quote, The Diocese of Steubenville is seeking to meet the pastoral needs of the faithful in accord with the norms, including the recent rescript issued by the Holy See, a spokesman for the diocese told CNA. Paulina Guzik at Our Sunday Visitor News Service reports Polish experts reject the claim that the future Pope covered up abuse. The fact that Cardinal Karol Wojtyła, the future Pope John Paul II, knew about abuse when he was an Archbishop of Krakow, Poland, is neither new nor surprising. 
Experts say what remains to be answered is what he knew, from whom he knew it, and how much of the Cardinal's decisions regarding abusive priests were influenced by the anti-church actions of the Communist Security Service, which often falsely accused good priests of immoral behavior only to discredit them. Courtney Mares at Catholic News Agency reports Pope Francis says there is no option to be passive Catholics when it comes to evangelization. Pope Francis says there are not those who preach, those who proclaim the gospel in one way or another, and those who keep silent. No, every baptized person, whatever his position in the church or level of education in the faith, is an active subject of evangelization. End quote. And finally, Elizabeth Pritchett at Fox News reports Mitch McConnell was hospitalized last night after falling down during a private D.C. dinner. The extent of the Senate minority leader's injuries, if any, were not immediately known. McConnell was attending a private dinner at a hotel at the nation's capital. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are the headlines for today through a Catholic lens. The gospel of the day comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man once that was clothed in purple and lawn and feasted sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar called Lazarus who lay at his gate covered with sores, wishing that he could be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. But none was ready to give them to him. The very dogs came and licked his sores. Time went on, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died too and found his grave in hell. And there, in his suffering, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he said with a loud cry, Father Abraham, take pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, My son, remember that thou didst receive thy good fortune in thy lifetime. And Lazarus no less his ill fortune. Now he is in comfort, thou in torment. And besides all this, there is a great gulf fixed between us and you, so that there is no passing from our side of it to you, no crossing over to us from yours. Whereupon he said, Then, Father, I pray thee, send him to my own father's house, for I have five brethren. Let him give them a warning, so that they may not come in their turn into this place of suffering. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to these. They will not do that, Father Abraham, said he. But if a messenger comes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he answered him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will be unbelieving still, though one should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A number of things from Cornelius Alapide go in rapid fire because he had 40 minutes. I read through 40 minutes of commentary to reduce this down to just a couple minutes. So I highly recommend checking out his entire commentary. He said there was a certain rich man. You ask, is this parable or a true story? He says, I answer, it is a history. And he lays out a number of reasons. I'll give you a couple. He says, because Christ does not call it a parable, number one. Two, because the poor man is named Lazarus and the rich man, according to Hebrew tradition, quoted by Euthemius, is called a native of nice. Three, because the torments of the rich man are related as an actual reality. Four, because in memory of Lazarus, many hospitals for those suffering from leprosy and such like diseases are called by his name. And fifth, because with the exception of Justin, Theophilus, and Eucurius, 
all of the fathers are of my opinion. And I'm like, okay, we could have just led with that one. And for feasting ministers to gluttony, wantonness, pride, evil, speaking, envy, and many other vices. What is he saying here? He's saying eating too much, indulging in gluttony, eating and drinking far too much will necessarily lead you to gluttony, wantonness, pride, evil, speaking, envy, and many other vices. So avoid gluttony. Uh, he talks here, and there was a certain beggar, a poor man, according to Arabic, a beggar, poor in earthly possessions, but rich in virtues and in patience, named Lazarus. That's an important point to note. He wasn't just a bum on the street. He was a poor beggar, but also rich in virtue and patience. He points out, but the dog's licking his sores. He said this can be understood in two ways. One, it could show how the dogs came to eat his, him as if he was a dead body and had not the stri- strength to drive them away. He says his Chrysostom, though, on the other hand, says that it shows that the, even the wild animals had the compassion to succor his sores, whereas his fellow man would laugh at his misery. Uh, very interesting to me. And now another thing here, he says, Abraham's bosom. He says, you ask, what is Abraham's bosom and where is it? He says, St. Augustine replies to this. It is the place of rest in which are received after death the souls of all who are imitators of the faith and piety of Abraham. So that's what we call the limbo of the fathers. That's where people went before Christ opened up the gates of heaven to let people in. And that is what he refers to whenever he refers to the limbo of the fathers or the bosom of Abraham. And then much more could be said. I'm going to leave y'all with this. Cornelius Lapide actually summarizes in three points. He says, morally, we learn from this history that God has appointed to each his lot and has made some rich, some poor. Let each one, therefore, be content with that station which God has allotted him. Let the poor, by patient endurance of want, and the rich, by the liberal relief of the poor, Seek for life and happiness in the world to come. For Christ seems to have spoken this parable to enforce his teaching. Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of the unrighteousness, and when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. The rich man was not compassionate, and therefore he was rejected by Abraham and Lazarus. That we must not despise the poor and the afflicted, but on the contrary, render all the assistance which lies in our power. The medicine of poverty heals those whom, whom moral infirmity wounds, and often a peril lies hidden in a dunghill. And lastly, he says that the rich ought not to boast themselves in their riches, for riches endure but for a time, and death deprives men of their all. Wherefore, let them not set their hearts upon their riches, but on God. And let them, for the love of God, use that wherewith he had prospered them for the benefit of the needy, and the poor. Remember, none of us gets out of here alive. We all end up dead. So let's meditate upon that today. Our riches, what are they for? It's to serve. Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, profession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion and confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Which of these is the most difficult for you to objectively believe? Jonah lived in a whale, Moses heard God's voice in a bush, Peter's authoritative declarations would be backed by heaven, or that Daniel survived the flames of fire? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the results. Most difficult was Jonah, then Daniel, then Moses. The easiest was Peter receiving authority to grant forgiveness. Secondly, the early church was tough. You see, that authority granted to Peter could put one out of the church due to sin, and that same authority was installed to bring one back into the church through personal confession. We understand that reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. And thirdly, our Bibles are filled with promises, but this promise was to Peter, the apostles, and the generational successors of Peter known as the Catholic bishops. So here's an idea. Take a drive down your street, look up at a Catholic church, and just know this for a fact. That priest inside that church was ordained straight down through the lineage of St. Peter. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it is good to be here today. So good to be here with you today. Another day, another opportunity to give God some praise, another opportunity to offer up all of our day, our sufferings, our sorrows, our pains, our joys, all the good things, to offer it all for the glory of God. There's a couple things that I were seeing in the news that I was surprised that nobody was talking about. I was thinking, how on earth is it that we can have something like this going on in the United States of America, in a first world country, in a country that claims to be the greatest country on earth? How can we have things like this happening right here? The headline is, new aerial footage shows 150 strong mob of Antifa thugs unleashed hell on Atlanta cop city. This is reported by the Daily Mail. A frenzied mob of Antifa terrorists descend on Atlanta's cop city construction site before hurling Molotov cocktails and destroying machinery and newly released footage on Sunday riots. And, and on Sunday, nonetheless, on Lord's Day, they decide to destroy a city. Uh, that's typically what I like to do on my Sunday afternoons. Uh, the group filmed by a police chopper heat sensitive cameras marched through scrub and woodland around the, the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center before unleashing havoc and setting fire to a power line. Police officers protecting the site are forced to stand off as the mass-clad attackers overrun the site, which had been a hotbed for Antifa violence since last spring, and target machinery. The officers are then pelted with rocks and fireworks by the thugs, many of whom travel from outside of Georgia to take part in the violence. Atlanta Police Department released the shocking footage on Monday, hours after revealing that 23 people have been charged with domestic terrorism over the riots. Among these charged are an attorney for the hard-left Southern Poverty Law Center and several serial protesters, some who've been arrested previously. Hmm, isn't it weird how when we just arrest people and then let them go, they end up committing more crimes, and now they're domestic terrorists blowing things up and lighting things on fire? Weird how that happens. Astonishingly, the SPLC has now claimed the arrest, which follows the outrageous violence, were a heavy-handed intervention after a months-long escalation of policing tactics. So now it's the police's fault. I think this is a good case of uh, victim blaming, wouldn't you think, Tito? I think so. The, <clears throat> this has been going on for quite a while. And to put the cherry on top of the, the pie, the 21 of the 23 people arrested are from out of state, as you sp spoken to before. 
and two of them are foreigners. So Oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, two, two foreigners. Yeah, one Canadian and I think the Frenchman, but I'm not really Canadians? certain. Canadians? Yes. I thought Canadians were supposed to be all peaceful and such. <laughs> they're, well. cool. they're supposed to be cool and, and, and uh, always forgiving and saying, excuse me, I'm sorry. Well, he, they, as they're lobbing their Molotov cocktail, they were saying, oh, sorry, eh? <laughs> all right. Atlanta PD said the activists changed into black clothing, entered the construction area, and began to throw large rocks, bricks, Molotov cocktails, and fireworks at police officers. The agitators destroyed multiple pieces of construction equipment by fire and vandalism. Now, remember, when he says fireworks, they don't mean those little poppers. They're talking about the ones that explode in the sky, that light up the sky. They're throwing those at people. Those are not meant to be thrown at people. Of course, no fireworks are meant to be thrown at people, but those are more dangerous. They're not just little bitty things that are not going to hurt anybody. They're actual, they're basically bombs. He goes, they go on, multiple law enforcement agencies deployed to the area and detained several people committing illegal activity. The illegal actions of the agitators could have resulted in bodily harm and clearly do not reflect a peaceful demonstration. The SPLC attorney, Thomas Webb, said that one of the 23 people who were detained after the violent clashes, uh, the attorney, so attorney Thomas Webb's, is one of the 23 people who were detained. Other activists were far away. How is it that one of the SPLC's attorneys was participating in a attack on on a uh, on the police that's a prime example of why we many people do not trust the media anymore on top of not reporting this if they do report it they don't they fail to mention this i i'm sure we we found about this through some other small news source but this is ridiculous because if it, if somebody from the thomas more society was caught Oh, they threw the book at him. Oh, no. They're going to, uh, what is it, catch and release this guy. Yes, and that's the other thing. Like you're saying, if, if it was the Thomas More Society, not only would they throw the book at them, but they would also condemn the Thomas More Society as being in conjunction with this or whatever it is. Yeah. Yet if it's the SPL, SPLC, nobody cares. Nobody cares. No one's saying the SPLC is a hate group, which it is. Um, they just close their eyes. Close their eyes, plug their ears. Very, very concerning story. There's much more on this story, but it's not really um, anything new after that. It's just more information about the violence, the bad that's going on, the threats of, of death for a lot of these police officers. They, the Daily Mail has pictures of a lot of these people, if you would like to go see who these people are. It's a very disturbingly a lot of young people, 24, 22, 21, 29 a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of women. Uh, you would think it's mostly men, but surprisingly, a lot of women. They look exactly what you would think. Um, one of these people, which honestly kind of looks like a transvestite, not 100% sure, has red hair, and it's very hard to tell. What, what sometimes it's very hard to tell. It could just be, yeah, I'm not sure. It could be. But what, what is astonishing is the last 10 years is the rise of the single liberal female late into the 30s and 40s and a lot of it is attributed to how much they're stuck on that feminism anti-man movement and so to fill their lives up with some sort of meaning they've they, a lot of these ladies these women have risen up through the fa- the ranks of many far hard left organizations and one of them is antifa so this is uh, evidence of, of what's going on, of, of these ladies not marrying, not, do, not pursuing their careers, 
not doing anything beneficial to society and to the culture overall and just wreaking havoc. Yep, yep. And the answer is actually very simple. Round them all up, throw them all to prison, and the police have a right to defend themselves. So that needs to happen. These people need to go to prison. Um, Sean Marie on our YouTube chat says, uh, good morning, Ecuador them. Um, that's a great idea. Ecuador them. What, what did Ecuador do? They rounded up all the uh, gangsters, threw them into prison. And the, what happened? The crime rate plummeted. And that's the answer. If you want to stop crime, well, maybe putting away the people who are committing the crimes is a good first step. All right. So that's going to be that for that story. The This other story is another story that's kind of a, on the and more on the church news side. Latin Mass is banned at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Who saw that coming? The, the Here's an, a little sections from various articles on this topic. CNA was told that the campus Latin Mass has been very popular with easily 250 people at each of them this semester, he said. Uh, this is Crow, uh, who has said that uh, he's not a spokesman for the university, but is intimately familiar with the university. He said the chapel has been packed, and it's mostly students. He added that the university was always supportive and would make sure we had what we needed and make sure we have the time for practice when training altar servers for the Latin Mass. A spokesman for the Diocese of Steubenville told our Sunday Visitor News he was unable to provide additional clarification as to why St. Peter's Church a diocesan parish was permitted to continue the celebration of the Mass with the 1962 Missal. He did note that St. Peter had long hosted such Masses on a weekly basis and was more accustomed to a large crowd of worshipers. Now, another interesting point is this was very confusing to me, and it's very concerning to me because the rescript, because they're claiming, the bishop is claiming that they're doing this because Traditionis Custodis demands it. They're trying to listen to the Vatican. And the rescript by Pope Francis that we reported on a week ago demands that it not be done in parish churches. And then I read this and I was like, wait a second. The bishop is saying that he's trying to be, he trying to Bishop Mon, Monfrotin, Monfortin, Monfortin. Bishop Monfrotin is saying that he was trying to be in continuity with the Vatican, yet he bans the Latin Mass at the chapel at the campus, but then says that he's going to implement it at the parish but the parish is the one that the Vatican is restricting. So that makes me think, okay, well, he's doing this now, and people are saying, well, at least we still have the Latin Mass, at least we could still go, and then we're going to see that that parish get closed down and later on. That's my personal theory on that topic. That I the spokesperson said, if people want to go to the Latin Mass, Bishop Monfortin does not have an objection. He's just trying to follow orders from the Vatican. Where did we hear that before? Just following orders. Uh, Robert Palladino, the university's director of chapel ministries, told OSV News he was advised after the meeting that the students were experiencing, quote, not so much anger, but deep sadness. One of the priests told him it really moved his heart to see so many young people so obedient to the church not having their spiritual needs met anymore. The on-campus uh, Latin Mass group called the Joventutum group, which I thought was a really creative name, that uh, comes from the, the beginning prayers of the of the traditional Mass, where he says, "Introibo aratari dea deum qualificat Joventutum meum," which is it, which is in English, "Let me enter into the altar of God, to God who giveth joy to my youth." And so Joventutum is joy to my youth. Beautiful. It, it is very beautiful. So they are hosting a rosary rally in response to this, a rosary novena, 
the their head their website go to gladtrad.com is their website the traditional latin mass at Franciscan university has been shut down by orders of the bishop please join us in a rosary novena from saint patrick's day until the feast of the annunciation that's march 17th to march 25th for a threefold intention one in reparation for any sacrilege that has taken place on campus and that's a, actually a note because they requested the university to use patents and they were told no um, so that's kind of what that's about. The second thing is in gratitude for the Latin masses that we already have uh, had on the campus in the past, so that in Thanksgiving. And three, for the return and flourishing of the Latin mass on campus. And so that's the uh, the prayers that they're asking. They're asking that they, people pray a, the novena and pray Psalm 42, uh, which is the judge me, O God, and distinguish my cause from the nation that is not holy, Deliver me from the unjust and deceitful man, and goes on from there. It's the opening prayers for the Latin Mass. And so you can check out that novena if you would like to join. Go to gladtrad.com. And finally, one other thing that I wanted to point out is I was told, I have not confirmed this yet. I am asking them to, if I, they can give me a source on this, but I was told by somebody that the, the orders here actually came from Cardinal Roche, as a condition of granting a dispensation to St. Peter, that basically Cardinal Roche from Rome told the bishop, hey, we'll let you keep the Latin Mass at the parish church, but you got to ban it over at the university. I could see that happening because you people don't want Latin Mass said at Franciscan because the people at Franciscan are the people who are becoming, going off to work in various parishes all over the country. They're people who are becoming youth ministers at your local parish. They're people who are working in chancery offices all over the country. And they don't want these people to be influenced by the traditional faith. They don't want people who are influenced by the traditional liturgy. They want to get rid of that. So it would actually make sense to me that that is true. I have not confirmed it. I'm waiting for them to get back to me on a, on a clarification or on a source for that. But it would not surprise me, not one bit. When we come back, we're going to be talking about almsgiving. We talk a lot about fasting. We talk a lot about prayer. But we hardly ever talk about almsgiving. So we're going to be covering that after this short break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. 
so-and-so, a neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, but who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us. Out of the blue, uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we were, had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for today. Father John Zulsdorf reports of a good example of a bishop dealing with the dispensation for St. Patrick's Day coming up next Friday. Father Zed posts a letter by Bishop Kevin C. Rhodes of Fort Wayne, South Bend, allowing Catholics to substitute for abstinence from meat one of the following acts for the memorial. One, attendance at Holy Mass. Or, two, the recitation of the rosary for the intention of peace in the world. Or, one half hour of prayer in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. La Croix in France reports a group of French bishops has proposed to the Pope a reformulation of the paragraphs of the Catechism of the Catholic Church concerning homosexuality. Archbishop Hervé Girard of San Aru said the process of reconsidering homosexuality in the Church has been ongoing since the ad limina of visit to Rome in 2021, according to a report by the Christian Network Europe. Jacqueline Burkpile at Church Pop reports the worldwide number of seminarians dropped to the lowest rate since 1999. According to a new Vatican report, the number of religious vocations to the priesthood dropped below 110,000 worldwide. The Vatican stats also reported that while there was a worldwide increase in Catholics, vocations in most categories decreased. According to the report, the number of priests, seminarians, and religious sisters and brothers decreased throughout the world. Africa is the only continent with an increase in seminarians. And finally, Math Liptak at the Baltimore Catholic Review reports Mother Lang's canonization cause takes a step forward. The servant of God, Mary Elizabeth Lang, founded the Oblate Sisters of Providence, the first African-American religious community. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And, you know, I was thinking about the uh, situation in, uh, in the situation in Steubenville, and I'm just thinking, you know, all these things happen, and we got to be prepared for that kind of reaction. We got to be prepared. We got to be innocent as doves, but cunning as serpents, because our enemies are going to be doing the exact same thing. They're going to be doing the exact same thing, so we have to be prepared. We got to be vigilant. We got to be watching out for those tactics. Because I really think the plan is to get them to move it off the chapel, which is allowed by Traditionis Custodis, into a parish church, and then to say, hey, I said no parish churches, and then ban the parish church. That's my my assumption of how that's going to play out. I'm actually going to reach out to uh, the Gladtrads and, and Jovan Tutamount on the campus of University of Steubenville and see if any of them would like to uh, come on. They may not want to. A lot of these people try to keep their heads down. They want to get in trouble. It is a weird state where you can basically say and do whatever you want and nobody cares. But if you talk about you going to Latin Mass, that gets you in trouble. So my plea to you today 
is that if uh, you've never been to Latin Mass before, you've never been, if you don't know anything about it, I highly recommend before uh, they, they all get shut down, make sure you check it out. You won't be sorry. Find a Latin Mass near you, and uh, you can be able to attend and see what it's like. See the way that our ancestors used to worship. And if you're like, I don't know where the nearest Latin Mass near me is, uh, well, there are Latin Mass finders. Um, just look up Latin Mass finder on the internet, and you should be able to find it. I think um, Mass of the Ages has one. I think if you go to Mass of the Ages or LatinMass.com, that's their site. LatinMass.com, find a TLM, and it has a list of all the TLMs in the United States, and they're constantly updating uh, the, the list. So you're able to see what's available, what's not available, and what's left, what's not left. So make sure you do that before uh, they are all gone in the in the United States. But well, joining us soon will be Bryce uh, so- Sokolavisky. So- <laughs> Sokolavisky. 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 Yeah, Breeze Sokolavisky. Oh, Breeze. Yes, Breeze. Yeah, Sokolavisky. Corrected too. There you go. There you go. Uh, he should be joining us soon. Uh, he's the founder of CatholicFundraiser.net. His mission is to help build Catholic charities, parishes, religious orders, and lay apostolates that change the culture and bring people to our blessed Lord. And uh, he is on with us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, sorry. It's say. Could you pronounce your name for me? Brees Sokolowski. Sokolowski. Brees Sokolowski. All right, Mr. Brees. Uh, thank you for joining us. You know, during the season of Lent. We often talk about the topic of fasting. We often talk about the topic of prayer. But I noticed we hardly ever talk about the topic of almsgiving. Why do you think it is that we kind of ignore that one on the list? Well, for one reason, it's a very, very sensitive topic. And so it's very sensitive. Number two, we've never been taught to, we've never been taught to speak about almsgiving, especially priests. You know, I, I can point the finger there, but they have a very, very tough job already. And and and, and third, it's just people, um, you know, add one, add two together. And number three is it gets put by the wayside and people think, well, it's not as important because nobody else is talking about it. And everybody, uh, you know, told me what to do. Absolutely. I've noticed that myself. Um, and it's very hard to find any articles on the topic when you're looking around. And like when you're trying to see, okay, but I, if you read the saints, though, they talk about it constantly talking about almsgiving. I mean, the, the gospel for today was all about almsgiving. And I was, uh, I was like, this is perfectly appropriate for our conversation today. Uh, so what was the attitude of the saints about almsgiving? Well, I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Obviously, we, we, we are to give and we are to help the poor. I would add on to the teachings of the saints is that they also taught how to encourage almsgiving and how to to train or to teach the laity on how to give. A lot of people don't know that the majority of the writings of uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, I think over 90% of his writings were uh, appeal letters. And really? he's not the only one. There are a whole lot of uh, saints out there who made it their job to give us the patrimony that we have today as Catholics. We obviously we we are we are we're, we're almost spoiled as catholics with all of the um the basilicas the chapels the the cathedrals you know all that money came from somewhere and 
I think we've kind of forgotten the, what generosity somewhat looks like. And it's just being uh, conscious that uh, it takes money to build things. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You mean we think about these great cathedrals. Unfortunately, we don't have too many of those in Texas. In Texas, we don't have a lot of the most beautiful churches that we do in, in Europe or even in the Northeast in the United States, Northeastern United States. But down in Texas... We could definitely use those. And how did these come about? We think uh, these these came about by centuries of Catholics giving their. Like, you look at the crowns of Our Lady and some of these images, and they are the jewelry, family jewelry that they just donated and they just stuck onto the images. And I think that's so amazing that people who may not have had much, they gave what little they had, and it was turned into those kind of things. Do you think that's kind of an element of why we don't see that anymore? Because everything is like, oh, we hire this firm and they build it versus uh, we as a community build it. Exactly. And uh, just, I guess, to give a little context of maybe why I'm, I'm fit to speak about this topic. About 10 years ago, I started a website called CatholicFundraiser.net. And my objective was because I had helped my diocese with fundraising, and I, I noticed that a lot of the the fundraising material out there was exactly that. It was it was just professional fundraisers going in there and saying, we're going to get the money. But there wasn't a lot of, um, I guess, material out there to explain the 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 the, the, the Catholic side of, 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 I guess, almsgiving. And it's not just that we're that Jesus asked us to give, but it's, it's just like just like the spiritual life where we're, where we have to be taught it. And sometimes it starts with milk and honey. And so I started this website to try and not only teach, I guess, dioceses and parishes and nonprofits and apostles how to fundraise, but also to kind of like lean in and try and explain to people why and how this is something that is very, very Catholic. And that when we see these beautiful uh, architecture of uh, past uh, churches, that this is something that we should consider doing as well. Um and not just think that, hey, you know, th- this is a very utilitarian thing. I just I, I just give in the Sunday collection and when Father asks me. Right, right. We think about giving in terms of just uh, it becomes so very corporate and everything has become like, oh, well, you, you sign a check off or even now it's even it's even worse. But at least before you got to get that check and you put it into the basket. Well, now it's like, oh, we'll sign up for our drafting and we just draft the money right out of your bank account at the beginning of the month. And it's become so detached from the from the reality of it. Uh, could you speak on that a little bit? That's a very good point. We 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 try and make it as easy as possible because we think it, it it's extremely painful, and we think um, and a lot of people obviously forget all the times. And so to try and alleviate, we say, hey, to make it very very simple. But it, in fact, it 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 should. It's the joy of giving. It's um, and I I, I mean it it's just. It's just very, very difficult. It, it's the, the society that we live in. But it, I would just say it's the Catholic world that we live in, is that we've tried to make, uh, you know, giving so easy. And sometimes, you know, and I, I take this from my experience as a Catholic growing up, is, is growing up, I, I went to Catholic school, and we made the faith just so easy. Um, but it, it's, it, it's one thing to be a Catholic as a child and as an adolescent, but when you start growing as an adult is, is you have to take on the, the Catholic faith is, you know, you're supposed to build your entire 
life around this. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and I think uh, we'll have to go to a break, but on the other side of the break, we'll be back to talk about some of the practicalities of it. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set, included a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And third, I take the Fisher. A dolphin was just a big fish until they were turned dolphins, but they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it is so good to be on with you today. You know, we're talking about almsgiving. We talk a lot about praying and fasting, but we rarely talk about almsgiving. I was looking at this passage from the book of Tobias, chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Give alms out of thy substance, and turn not away thy face from any poor person. For so it shall come to pass that the face of the Lord shall not be turned from thee. According to thy ability, be merciful. If thou have much, give abundantly. If thou have little, take care even so to bestow willingly a little. But do not hesitate to give alms. For thus thou storest up to thyself a good reward for the day of necessity. For alms delivers from all sin and from death and will not suffer the soul to go into darkness. Alms shall be a great confidence before the Most High God to all that them give it. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Brees. We were talking before we went to a break about how the faith has become too easy, and yet Scripture calls us not to an easy life, but to a life that is that is great, a life that is godly, a life that is perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. I tell, I can finish your thought there. Well, well, exactly. I think that... And maybe it's challenging for, you know, life is difficult and we try and simplify things because we don't like problems. And and so almsgiving gets thrown into that bucket. And it definitely there are plenty of, quote unquote, excuses of not really to, to give a whole lot um, to the Catholic Church because we see one scandal after another. And so Catholics, they just add that into the bucket of excuses, whereas it, it, it's just you, you, you just. You can't make all these excuses. I, I was looking up this morning the, the definition, the Latin definition of excuse. It means out of accusation to be free of blame. And so, I don't know, I think Catholics, they, they don't give for, for a myriad of reasons. And unfortunately, I, I think when you start giving, and I've seen this, and as a fundraiser, I've seen this with a lot of donors who give generously, and it's not just the ones who give, you know, 
tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's the it's just the normal people just donating. They're extremely happy. Um, it, 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 there's something inside of us about obviously you can volunteer your time and that's extremely generous. But the, the people who donate as well um, find a real joy in life. And so I just really encourage people to just, you know, d- during this Lenten season to, to just step it up and step it up. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to tell them as a fundraiser, hey, you know, give uh, a certain amount. But I, I'm just encouraging them just to maybe try and give a little bit more. And maybe find a uh, a nonprofit or an apostolate or a monastery, a religious community um, that they they probably know of and they probably thought about giving. Maybe just you know give this time. And um, you know you don't just need to write a check. Maybe you write a letter as well and just say you know thank you so much. So it, it's not just about the money. Almsgiving. There's a whole lot more that's going on. Hey, Brees. This is Tito. How are you doing? I got a question uh, regarding how do we educate the lay people, the, the laity at, at the parish? I recall uh, in the young adult group down in, when I was in grad school, somebody coming out and talking about uh, the tithe and almsgiving and, and what our responsibilities are, considering that I, I'm just spitballing here, 5 to 10% of the parish donates 100% of what's out there for, for the functioning of the church. What, uh, what, what can you say to that as far as how do we educate them? I, I think to educate people, I'm, I'm a big believer that it's not something that you do in the middle of mass. And then you tell people, hey, it's your responsibility to donate. It, it just, it's in one ear, out the other. I really believe that it's a, uh, you got to sit down with one family after another. And I think this ties into the, the overall objective of, of a parish, I would say, is that, um, you know, I, I would, I would, I would encourage uh, every parish priest to, to just, and I know that, they, and I know because I've worked at a diocese, they have one of the toughest jobs in the world. Um, they're probably, they're up there with mothers. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult job and their time is, is very, very sacred because they have a whole lot of stuff to do. But to, to explain to people the necessity of giving, you really have to sit down with them one-on-one and explain to them that in a polite way, obviously, that it's, it's, it's very highly encouraged, but at the same time, to try and remind them about, you know, all that the parish has to offer them. Because sometimes parishioners just think, well, I'm just donating just so that I can what be here on Sunday. They, 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 and I'm generalizing tremendously here. But I, I just don't think they really understand. It's, it's no fault of their own. It's, they just need to be explained the, the, the benefits of giving, especially inside their parish and all the different things that their dollars will go to. And I've seen that the one-on-one uh, meetings you end up very, very well. And you would think talking about money is, is will put some animosity between a parish priest and his, uh, his flock, but it doesn't. Yeah, I can see why someone would think that that would be the case. But, you know, I think people understand that money is necessary to run things, especially in the 21st century. Uh, they can't just work off of labor anymore. But, you know, one thing I was thinking of is something, a point you made a second ago about, you know, maybe donate a little bit more to a community that you love, a community that you respect, and to different groups that you have received spiritual benefit from. And I really like that as an idea because I have a, I have a friend who just joined the Carmelites. And so he joined the Scout Hermits of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, ED Carm, and that's their, their website, edcarm.org. And I started donating to them after my friend joined because... 
I can't donate to him directly because they're religious orders. So they don't take any kind of money, but I can donate to the community because they're hermits. And so they, they live off of donations. And same thing with uh, many other groups. Uh, people can, because uh, like you mentioned, the scandals in the church have caused a lot of people to say, well, if my diocese is doing this, well, then I don't want to donate to them. Well, I can understand that, but that does not relieve us of our obligation to give alms. Right, Mr. Brees? Correct, correct. And, I mean, I, I'll, 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 I'll play uh, devil's advocate for, 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 for the lady right now. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it's difficult to, to, to give because, look, you know, you, you more than likely have a mortgage, and so you've got that. You have your own expenses. You probably have debts. You have, um, you know, you have family that's probably sick. So your your responsibilities are stretching you tremendously, and so it's so for that. I mean, all of those costs are front and center with them, and so they they they, they see the pain if they don't donate to it, but they don't necessarily see the pain if they don't donate to their parish. They're like, well, the lights are still on. You know, the um, you know, there's the air conditioning is still running. So they don't really see that. Well, if I donate one dollar or five dollars, ten dollars, whatever it may be, it's like it's not really going to change anything. But for all of my expenses, it's like if I don't pay my bill, I'm in trouble. So it's it, it's and that's why the educating one by one uh, a parish family is so very important that every Catholic wants to give. Nobody out there is saying, well, I don't want to give. Um, now, they might have uh, re- reservations, for example, like you mentioned, the, the scandals or that they, they, there's a lot of goodwill out there, but it's just trying to explain to them that, yeah, every dollar does matter. And it's going to, and usually what happens is that, you know, God is, is extremely generous. God, I, I, when I fundraise, I always quote, um, I think it's First Corinthians 3 6, Apollos watered, um, no, Apollo, no, it was Paul watered, no, Paul. Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God grew. And God is obviously the, the source of all abundance. And usually what happens is when you start giving and you, start, you stop worrying about everything, and we, we hear that about the, in, the, uh, in the gospel today, where um, it's, it's, the, the, it's the story of uh, the rich man and Lazarus, is, uh, you know, and also in, in, in the psalm, is you know, God is not telling you to, to worry about things. He, he's not at all. You don't. You just have to put confidence in him, and everything will be all right. Hey, Brees, you alluded to this earlier about making the faith so easy when we were growing up. Do you think that might be one of the big causes that we don't challenge the youth, we don't challenge the children, we don't challenge ourselves, the adults, uh, of how demanding this faith is, how great this faith is, how, how we can be warriors or crusaders for Christ, and and because we've made it so watered down and easygoing and not inoffensive, that uh, one of the symptoms of it is the the lack of donations from the majority of the of the laity in the pews. Yeah, I, I would say I would I would say that, that definitely adds to it. I would also add that, you know, even when we we say that eighty percent don't give, even the twenty percent that do, so they, they probably could give a whole whole lot more. So I mean everybody everybody's kind of in uh in a difficult position. But however, uh the 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 parish and the parish priests again, they can do more to educate uh parishioners on how the money is being used and this is not just necessarily having something in the, in the newsletter in the back and saying, "Look, 
this is how much we collected and this is where it's going. It's, um, it, it takes a lot of work to try and explain this stuff. And uh, to your point about making the, um, the Catholic faith easy, I know that, that, that with myself growing up, you know, I was extremely hard-headed. I'm still hard-headed today, uh, hopefully a little bit less, I think. But uh, it, it's just it's hard to kind of tell people what to do and what they're doing wrong. And I think that's where humility comes in. And, you know, it, it's, you know, the Catholic faith is very difficult, but at the same time is when re- people really take it to heart and implement it. Use my consulting language there, I guess. Or just the, the use it in daily life. It um, it becomes it, it becomes a whole lot easier, and your whole life is a whole lot better. Uh, Mr. Breeze, uh, that we're just about out of time. Uh, where can people connect with you or find out more information about almsgiving and uh, this kind of information that we're that you're sharing with us today? If they just Google Catholic fundraising, Catholic fundraiser, they're going to see my website, CatholicFundraiser.net, and I provide educational. Uh, information that's the that's the focus of my website so i'm not there trying to sell any type of services or helping you run an appeal it's to teach both parishes and uh, uh, nonprofit leaders how to fundraise but also to, to teach uh, just everyday people you know well what did the saints say like i mentioned saint ignatius of loyola uh saint uh mother Teresa, also um saint uh bernard um, Saint uh, Leo the Great. A lot of these saints didn't just say, "Hey, you know, donate, donate, and give money," but they also explained how you actually do it. So, if they want any information, they can find me there. Amen, amen. Well, thank you very much, Mister Breeze, for joining us. God bless you. God love you, and have a blessed rest of your Lent. Thank you so much. God bless you all. And that's going to do it for today on Catholic Drive Time. Uh, just keep that in mind today. Keep that in mind about we have to have prayer, fasting and almsgiving, especially during the season of Lent. And let me implore you uh, to try to give until it hurts a little bit. Until it hurts a little bit. Don't just give from the excess. Say, oh, I got an extra 20 bucks here. I'm going to give that away. How about give and say, you know what? I'm going to have to give up buying a coffee every morning. I'm going to have to drink coffee at work instead. And give that money to a charity. Maybe give just a little bit more. Cut out some other things that you enjoy. That could be a great opportunity to suffer during this season of Lent. Well, but God bless you. God love you. If you could join us in the next hour, we got Jason Jones talking about Afghanistan. So we'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time after this. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and then it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing 
claiming to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes, we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. It's to truly save souls. It's to save souls, and we have a lot of different media platforms, whether it's through our TV, radio, music, and it's all promoting this culture that is really here to kill, still, and destroy souls. And to have that Catholic voice on the air that is proclaiming the good news and able to touch and transform lives, um, what better thing to support? The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is the station that the Lord has made. KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. So listen on air and online at grnonline.com. Rejoice and be glad in it. Francis of Rome. So I want to read to you a little section from this biography of St. Francis of Rome. Very, very interesting. Let's see how much I can get through in the next couple minutes before uh, Jason Jones hops on with us. He's going to be talking to us about Afghanistan and what's going on there. He's still doing great work in Afghanistan. Uh, Jason Jones, he might be a great person to uh, give some donors dollars to. Or maybe the, the GRN, too. Guadalupe Radio Network, your local Catholic radio station. Think about that. What, what organizations are really doing good that you trust, that you know the people, you've heard from the people, and uh, have also given you spiritual benefit? Give, give to those organizations. But here's the biography of St. Francis of Rome. Born 1384 in Rome, died 1440 in Rome, St. Francis of Rome received a supernatural gift of visions from God. She is famous for her visions about hell. Perhaps throughout the history of the church, no other mystic has had so many descriptive visions of hell as St. Francis. I did not know this. How did I not know that she existed if she has the most uh, descriptive visions of hell of any other mystic? I, I, I'm just flabbergasted. I've never heard of this person. The following text is taken from Rohrbar's Universal History of the Catholic Church. The author reproduces the words of a saint regarding one of her visions of hell. While one-third of the angels sinned, the other two-thirds persevered in grace. One-third of the fallen angels are in hell, tormenting the condemned souls. These devils are the ones who freely follow Lucifer and deliberately revolted against God. They cannot leave the abyss except with the special acquiescence of God when he decided to punish the sins of men with a great calamity. These are the worst among the devils. The other two-thirds of the fallen angels inhabit the air and the earth. They are the ones who did not take a side in the battle between Lucifer and God, but remained silent. The devil of the air often instigates storms, winds, and thunders to frighten souls, causing their wills to weaken and seed to inconstancy, thus preparing them to falter in the faith and to doubt divine providence. 
The devils who live on earth among men to tempt us are the fallen angels of the lowest choir. The faithful angels of this choir are our guardian angels. The prince and chief of all devils is Lucifer, who is confined at the bottom of the abyss where he punishes the other devils and the condemned men and women. Since he fell from the highest place among the angels, the seraphic choir, he became the worst devil. His characteristic vice is pride. Below him and under his power are three other princes. First, Asmodeo, who represents the vice of impurity and was the head of the cherubim. Second, Mammon, who represents the vice of avarice and was the first among the thrones. Third, Beelzebub, who represents idolatry, sorcery, and spells and was the chief of the dominations. He is, the, is, ever, he is over everything that is dark and that diffuses darkness over rational creatures. Very, very interesting to me. Uh, then the, the article that I'm reading is a commentary from Professor Plinio on St. Francis of Rome, and he explains uh, extensively. I'll read to you just one little section here. He says, uh, The devil is always acting against us. The guardian angels are always protecting us. We should try to discern the action of the devils and ask the protection of our guardian angels more often. We should also pray to Our Lady more often. This is to be vigilant against the actions of the devils. Very, very important because, yes, even though the devils seek to destroy us, we still have an opportunity to be saved and protected against the wiles of the devil by Our Lady, who is Queen of the Angels, who at our at Lord's, just her very glance, caused the devils to flee in terror. So don't be afraid. Our Lady will overcome the devils. She will crush the head of the infernal serpent. Uh, but speaking of destroying the infernal serpents, uh, Jason Jones is joining us right now talking about the situation. And all, Mr. Mr. Jones is like the, the freedom fighter all over the world, tra- gallivanting across uh, countries and rescuing people here and there. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Jones. Uh, you're, you're muted. Uh, you got to unmute your mic there. Sorry, it's hard to gallivant against devils on mute. It's great to be on the show. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's good to have <laughs> you back on. And yes, I, speaking of devils, you're all over the place uh, fighting uh, these manifestations of the devil all over the place. Uh, so tell us about your the situation, uh, update on what's going on in Afghanistan. Well, God has been so good. Um, you know, this, for the second year in a row, we launched our Coal for Christmas campaign, which was our goal was to distribute 500,000 meals to Christians in hiding across Afghanistan and also the widows and orphans of our Afghan allies who were killed in action. Um, But by God's grace, by the first day of spring, we've already delivered over 1.2 million meals. Um, On top of that, we were able to open up a women's medical center, drill several wells in remote uh, communities, and we're continuing on providing girls uh, education through clandestine schools and in Afghanistan, the end of the school year was just uh, two weeks ago where we had these beautiful, we had these graduations. And if you follow us on social media, you you see these, these young girls in the traditional clothing of their tribes and their community. And uh, it is just really, I'm headed to the Middle East tomorrow and our Saturday, I apologize. And then from the Middle East, I'll be going to Spain where 
a hospital run by Opus Dei in Pamplona will be receiving 19 girls that were wounded in an ISIS attack severely. We'd, uh, together with the Jewish organization, Jewish Humanitarian Relief, we'd uh, remove them to a hospital in Pakistan, but 19 of the girls were injured so severely that this hospital couldn't treat their needs. And so I'll be meeting them in Spain as the plane lands. I'll be there to make sure everything goes smoothly. So I'm just so grateful to the church, this mystical body of Christ, all over the world that is working together to serve um, the most vulnerable people in the world right now, which are Christians in Afghanistan and our former Afghan allies. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And, you know, one thing, one reason why I'm very comfortable, we were talking in the last segment about uh, almsgiving. And, you know, I, I understand so many Catholics are kind of jaded about giving alms because, there's so many organizations that are abusing funds that we find out every day, this organization, that organization did this, that, that organization did that. And it really puts a damper on trying to donate. But, you know, I've always been comfortable donating to the Vulnerable People Project because I know that Jason Jones is going to be, he's going to not just managing it, he's showing up to the places, he's meeting the people, he's involved in everything going on. And so tell us a little bit about uh, why people should be able to donate to the Vulnerable People Project. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it. And your program and this network has been core to our, our successes in Afghanistan. Our website is thegreatcampaign.org. A donation of $250 will fund uh, a Christian family through the winter. That's four months of, of food and coal for heat. Uh, ISIS and the Haqqani Network aren't the greatest threat to Christians in Afghanistan and others. It's starvation and death by exposure. Um, you know, our, I worked as a young man for large apostolates. And it wasn't that they were corrupt, it was that they were bloated and that they didn't have a campaign mentality and they became bureaucracies and the management was engaged in HR. And I'd come out of the army and running political campaigns after the army. So VPP is really modeled. I modeled it from the beginning on uh, the Special Forces A-Team model where we have a very small team, but we organize the communities we serve. For example, in Nigeria, for $250, we, it costs us $250 a month to provide um, security for Catholic parishes. So if you donated $250 and wanted to go to Nigeria, and well, how do we do that? We hire Nigerians from the parish where they're trained, and then they provide security from, uh, from Boko Haram. As you know, just a few weeks ago, a priest was killed 50 Catholic girls last month were kidnapped in Nigeria. And so we, we have a very small team of paid contractors, but we, have a, we, we, we organize the communities we serve. For example, in Afghanistan, there's no overhead. Our, our teams, the people that it's the Christians and the Hazara and it's the former Afghan allies themselves, who manage our distribution and service programs at no, they don't, they don't get paid. They get paid very minimally in Afghanistan, which to them is uh, it saves their life and their family's life while they're saving other lives. So yeah, when you support the vulnerable people project, you are knitting yourself together with the, the, the communities the world has forgotten. And that is really our mission from the child in the womb to the child in Darfur to the Uyghur and Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, to our seven bishops who have been kidnapped by the CCP and are imprisoned. We're fighting for their release. We seek to stand with, when the world leaves, 
We're not there for the good. Every, every humanitarian cause has Palm Sunday. You will not find us there on Palm Sunday. When the major organizations are there, the media is there, we won't be there. Um, we'll be fishing. <laughs> That's what I say. If, on, on, on Palm Sunday, I would have been fishing because there would have been no one out on the lake. But on Good Friday, <laughs> when the world is left, that's when I want to be there with Christ. That's when I want to be there with the vulnerable. And that's the mission of the Vulnerable People Project. Amen. Amen. And you, you mentioned briefly the situation in China. What's the update on uh, that situation? Well, if we have a campaign. If you go to freehourbishops.com, there are seven bishops that have been disappeared into dark prison sites. Uh, we, we have this petition. We're, protect, we're um, going to be presenting to Congress later in the session and also to Secretary of State Perilyn at the Vatican. And we're just trying to amplify the plight of the Catholic Church in China, which is being relentlessly persecuted. Jimmy Lai, you know, probably the most prominent Catholic layman in the world, is it looks like he will die in prison in Hong Kong. He committed no crimes. Um, Cardinal Zen is being menaced. He's in his, I think he's 94 now. He's being menaced by the CCP. Um, but beyond Cardinal Zen and, and Jimmy Lai, which many people know about, there are many bishops like Bishop Melchor, who was disappeared in the middle of the night, arrested, sent to a black prison site for caring for disabled children. Wow. For providing sacraments and religious education to children, which, by the way, is the job of a bishop. <laughs> um, so if we as you know, here's what's amazing. Look, I'm on your show right now. And for Paul to talk to as many people as I'm talking to right now, he had to be stoned. He had to be shipwrecked. He had to be chased <laughs> around village to village. Here we are. There's never been as Catholic lady in the United States. Uh, we are influential. We have opportunities and we need to harness this. Uh, maybe if I was a Catholic layman in Portugal, I'd be a sheep herder. I don't know what I'd be doing with my time, but, but as a Catholic layman in the United States, we're the most powerful country in the world. We have access to the most powerful media in the world. We're the wealthiest Christians that have ever walked the face of the earth. We're the, even in the midst of the weirdness that you know, the FBI now targeting us. My, my <coughs> excuse me, a friend of mine, a member of Congress, said I read the FBI's description of a Catholic extremist. I was like, that's my friend, Jason Jones. You know? <laughs> this is a member of Congress, a friend of mine said, I was like, oh my gosh, Jason's an extremist. Um, <laughs> you know, but even in the midst of this weirdness, we are, the, we are the freest Christians who've ever lived. We need to share this. We need to share this with our co-religionists in Nigeria, in Syria, in Iraq, across Afghanistan and beyond our fellow Catholics, I was just, I wake up early in the morning and I do an hour of spiritual reading and I was reading a book on magnanimity today and it said leadership is, uh, good leadership is grounded in a right anthropology. And as Catholics, what we have been blessed with in this age, all of these heresies and ideologies of evil are grounded in a flawed understanding of the human person. And I think the best way that we can exemplify the truth of our faith, the truth of Jesus Christ, is by standing with the vulnerable. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jason Jones, for being on with us. TheGreatCampaign.org, TheGreatCampaign.org. You can go donate to 
the Vulnerable People Project there. And uh, you know money's going to actually help people. It's not going to bloated charities, but it's going to go right to someone in need. And check out their social media feed because they got a lot of great pictures about who they're helping. And now we got to run into our game show, 877-757-9424. We'll be back. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That number to call is 877-757-9424. And you could be the contestant on today's show of Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. Just call 877-757-9424. And I'm going to be honest, I'm looking at the questions and uh, I think this is all easy question Thursday. So call in 877-757-9424 and be sure to write down that number to be able to call in early in the future if you're saying, man, I've always wanted to be on the show, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to be the first caller. Well, don't you worry. You can always write down that phone number and keep it on speed dial so that way whenever the day comes, you can just hop on and dial in early and wait on hold and we always take the first caller. The game is very simple. I don't ask the caller anything, not any questions, no, nothing difficult. Instead, I have three Catholic trivia questions, and I'm going to ask Rudy. I'm going to ask Tito, and it's their job to give me an answer explaining what 
the answer is, what's their guess for the answer? And it's your job to guess who is right, who is wrong, who is lying, who is telling the truth, who is being tricky. And you have a 50-50 chance of getting each and every question correct. Every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? I'm so glad you asked me. The prize is a sticker bundle of Auspice Maria stickers from Worthy of Agape. Worthy of Agape is an online store that sells home goods, mass sets, stickers, and apparel. Shop at worthyofagape.com. 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 Thank you very much, Worthy of Agape, for sponsoring our game show this week. Very cool stuff. I like their little the peg dolls they got there. It's kind of cool looking. Uh, maybe more of these. I've seen some people who've made these themselves, and I'm like, man, if I only had patience... And uh, a little bit of creativity, I could make this too. But Worthy of Agape is selling them, so that would be much easier for me since I'm not a huge fan of uh, making things. You know what I mean? And very, one might say lazy. Uh, but joining us right now is Neil. Good morning to you, Neil. Good morning. Neil, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Allen, Texas. Allen, Texas. Praise be to God, Allen, Texas. That's uh, near the San Antonio area? No. No. Near Dallas Fort Worth. Oh, okay, okay. By Edinburgh. No. No. Okay, I'm way <laughs> off. I'm way off base over here. I need to go and uh, pull up maps and try to like look and look at where Allen, Texas is specifically. It's in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Well, okay. Neil, what is Allen, Texas known for? Uh, a train wreck. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Make that a train robbery. I think that's the most famous thing that happened. Oh, wow. If we're talking about horses and they jump onto the train and steal all the gold or yeah it, it was uh yeah it was something similar to that wow, wow. that's kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> no it isn't imagine being there the uh the uh, i guess it'd be bad but i think about all the cowboy movies where they riding next to the train so with a horse and they just like jump onto the train that's what i'm imagining makes for good movies it does make for good movies so allen texas i looked it up it is north of plano okay i know where plano is so I'm I'm familiar with where we're at now. I'm 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 envisioning it. I have it in my mind's eye. Uh, Al, not Alan. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, uh, where are you off to today? I am on my way to work. Praise be to God. Uh, where do you work at? Uh, you say Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, let me guess. He's an oil baron. You're, oh, oil baron. Is that true, Neil? Uh yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm not a baron. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. More, more, like, more like a fryer. Or okay. A, uh, or a, uh, yeah. An, an oil fryer. I like it. I like Your it. Oil fryer, yeah. That's F-R-I-E-R. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Neil, for being our caller today. Um, one last question before we jump in the game. What are you doing for Lent, and how are you are you succeeding so far? So far, I, I think I'm um, fairly successful. I, I could be doing better. I feel but, that. Uh, there's sub, several video programs that I'm, that I'm doing and uh, trying to, to, to spend time uh, praying more. Yeah, I could be, definitely be doing uh, better for my Lent as well. Um, I will avoid exposing myself, but I definitely could be doing better. Uh, but that's gonna, we're going to jump into the game. You're familiar with how the game works, Neil? I, I am, yes. Yeah. Then let's jump in. The first question goes to Rudy. Rudy, who 
was the first major, now notice, be very careful, the first major Catholic presidential candidate in the U.S. Ah, yes. I remember it like it was just yesterday of August memory, as they used to say. That is uh, JFK. 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 John. Speaking of Dallas. Yeah, speaking of Dallas. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Tito, same question to you. And just note the wording on this question. Who was the first major Catholic presidential candidate in the U.S.? Major. Wow. I'm going to have to dig deep in my history uh, column here. Alfred E. No, no. Alfred E. Smith. Alfred E. Smith, you say. Correct. Okay. Okay. This is a tricky question. Neil, the question on the board. Who was the first major Catholic presidential candidate in the U.S.? Tito seems to think that it's Alfred E. Smith, whereas Rudy seems to think it's JFK. 15 seconds on the clock. Neil, what say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Are you sure? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> Neil, yeah, it is a tricky question. He, uh, JFK, while the first Catholic president, was not the first Catholic presidential candidate, and that would be Alfred E. Smith. There you go. The name nah. Smith just threw me off. Just not a real common Yeah, not uh, anymore. Not anymore. Name from the past. That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't actually know anything about this guy. I was trying to look up some fun facts about this dude, but I'm like, hmm. It seems as though he was a, a New Yorker, but other than that, he was a governor of New York. I don't really know anything about this guy. What year was it? It was 1873 to 1944 was his life. 1873. Uh, so that was, I guess, Civil War era. Um, he experienced a lot of anti-Catholic bigotry. Oh, uh, they yeah, really, sure. Yeah, they really yeah. ran him off the road on that. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look up some information about him, and uh, maybe I'll share it during the after show. But let's jump into question number two. Tito, the question is, what is the term for any object connected with a saint, clothing, part of their body, etc., etc.? I think it's a relic. You think it's a relic? It's a relic. Okay. Yeah, I'm certain okay. now. You're certain now? Yes, okay. I am. You're certain he has epistemic certainty. I didn't even know you could have that. Epistemically speaking, so, yes. The same question to you, Rudy. The question on the board. What is the term for any object connected with a saint? Clothing, a part of their body, etc., etc. Well, I like to call them knickknacks. Knickknacks. So next time you're at a thrift store, just take a look at all the stuff and just wonder, hmm, maybe this belonged to a saint. Oh, wow. Well, certainly all my things will be uh, relics, I'm sure. I mean, knickknacks. At the surf shop? Uh, yes. <laughs> all, all my things, because I'll be a canonized saint one day, and they'll all be knickknacks or relics, whatever. Patron uh, saint of humility. Saint. Yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> if I was only humble, I'd be perfect. Uh, Neil from Allen, Texas, 15 seconds of the clock. Uh, who is right? Who is wrong? The question is, what is a term for any object connected with a saint? Rudy says knickknack. Tito says relic. What say you? I say Tito. He says Tito. Nailed nice. it. Way to go. Go Neil from Allen, Texas. 
Uh, praise be to God, yes, it is, in fact, a relic. A relic is an object connected with a saint, uh, not a knick-knack. A knick-knack, uh, paddywhack, give a dog a bone, is something different. Let's uh, go but home. Let's jump into question number three. Are you ready, Neil? Uh, yes. Then let's do ready. it. Let's do it. Is be this one? Oh. <laughs> I, I can. This one's going to be a uh, pretty difficult question. I'm looking at the the question here. And whoo wee! Uh, question number three, Rudy. The Jewish festival of lights is called what? Oi, Gewalta. It's called Hanukkah. It's called Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Got to say it like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Writing that down. You got to get that glottal stop in there. <laughs> All right, Tito. Same question to you. The Jewish festival of lights is called what? Oh, I saw this on a Seinfeld episode. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, Festivus. Okay, okay. It's called Festivus? Correct, sir. Festivus. Okay, according to Seinfeld, you say? Yes, according to Seinfeld. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Sounds interesting. All right, Neil, the question is, the Jewish Festival of Lights is called what? Rudy says it's Hanukkah, whereas Tito says it's Festivus, according to Seinfeld, uh, 15 seconds o'clock. What say you? I'm going to go with uh, Rudy, Hanukkah. You're going to go with Rudy. That is correct. Way to go. And, you know, it's so funny because uh, I've always said Catholics should just, like, retake Hanukkah and just be like, this is our holiday now because uh, it's the Feast of the Maccabees. And so you read the Book of Maccabees and the Miracle of the Lamps. That was right here. That was a a, a celebration that belongs to the Catholic Church as the inheritors of that Jewish tradition. And so, praise be to God. Well, uh, Neil, praise be to God. You are on for two out of three. You did great. Praise be to God. But stay on hold. We're going to be able to get your contact information should we pull your name tomorrow. So stay on hold and we'll get your information. Very good. Thank you. All righty. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you all back. God bless you. We'll talk to uh, you tomorrow. Praise be to God. Tomorrow will be Friday, and that's the day we're going to be giving out our prize. So tune in for tomorrow, and you'll be able to see that. If not, uh, we'll see you in the after show. You can hang out with us. Go to YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. Look up Catholic Drive Time, and you can join us there and interact with us directly. So make sure you do that. If not, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Network. Attende Domine et miserere quia peccabimus tibi 
Ate Rexume Omnium Redemptor Oculus Nostros Sublebamus Flentes Er Auxaudi Christe Supplicantum Preces Attende Domine Et Miserere Quia peccabimus tibi. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God. And to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who have given us in St. Francis of Rome a singular model of both married and monastic life, grant us perseverance in your service that in every circumstance of life we may see and follow you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in the flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. More torturous than all else is the human heart, beyond remedy. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, alone probe the mind and test the heart, to reward everyone according to his ways, according to the merit of his deeds. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. Blessed, Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Lord. He is like a tree planted near running water, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. 
Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Blessed are they who have kept the word with a generous heart and yield a harvest through perseverance. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment at these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel today about the rich man and Lazarus is so full of beautiful things and in some ways a bit bit scary things for us. I think the first thing we point out is that in the economy of God, which is very different from our human economy, you notice that we know who the who the, uh, the, the poor man is. His name is Lazarus. Who's the rich man? We don't know. Pretty generic, huh? He was a rich man. Who's the richest man in the world today? The richest person in the world today? We could probably look that up, right? We could Google that very easily. We could never Google what the, the poorest man is. Although so I, I once said that in a homily and somebody in the back of the church says, I am. <laughs> but the economy of God is very different. See, in the economy of God, the poor are the ones, in a way, who are known by God, who are close to God. In the economy of the world, it is the rich that we want, the rich and famous that we know so much about. Very, very different. The other thing to point out is that what, what was the, 
what was the one thing that the rich man failed to do was perhaps the first thing was he failed to even notice the poor man at his door, to notice him. Maybe he didn't, maybe he, he sort of neglected him, that might be one thing, but maybe he didn't even see that he was there. Maybe the rich man, because he dined sumptuously, he was full of all the, the, the good things in this life, he kind of closed his curtains so he didn't have to see outside, and maybe he went through the back door so he wouldn't be bothered by anybody. We don't know, something like that. But he, did he notice even Lazarus at his door? You know, there's a, there's a great line in Julius Caesar's, um, or sorry, uh, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, where Julius Caesar says, surround me with fat men because young Brutus has a lean and hungry look. <laughs> he figured that nobody would try to usurp his power if he was surrounded by fat men. <laughs> because why? Because, of course, being satiated by the things of this world, um, say, suppress our, our desire, and in this case, it would have been desire for power, but it, su it suppresses all of that so that we don't even see. Saint uh, Peter Chrysologus, in, his, in a wonderful homily that he gave way back, way back when, he says this, this is, uh, because it talks about fasting, this great exercise that we use during the season of Lent, this great discipline. He says, when we fast, if, when we fast, we must see the fasting of others. If you want God to know that you are hungry, know that another is hungry. If you hope for mercy, show mercy. If you look for kindness, show kindness. If you want to receive, give. If you ask for yourself what you deny to others, your asking is a mockery. For you will, you, will not, you will not be allowed to keep what you refused to give to others. This was the problem with the rich man. You see, first he didn't notice. And because he was so full, there was no way that, he, that, he, that his senses were open to be able to see the hunger or the need of another person. That's why we use that beautiful discipline of fasting in this time of Lent, so that the mercy of God, which we have received, now that we have space for that mercy to receive it, then can flow out to others. That's why Jesus says, be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Blessed are you who are merciful, for you will receive mercy. I think the other interesting thing we can point out about the, uh, the, the third thing about the rich man is how self-centered he is. Even from hell, he's trying to tell Lazarus or in Abraham what to do. <laughs> send Lazarus to come, you know, tell, you know, send him to me so that he may, he may uh, quench my, my thirst, you know, as if he could dictate now, you know, what, the, what this poor man should be doing for him. And then, oh, no, that's not going to work. Okay, well, send him at least to my five brothers so that they'll believe. You know, oh, no, 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 it's not enough that, they would, that you have Moses and the prophets. Obviously, he did not listen to them himself. But, you know, but send somebody from the dead, then they will believe. He said, they would not, they, 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 were they persuaded if someone should rise from the dead? Because someone has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And sometimes we still have difficulty seeing him and believing in him. Let us live in that economy of God. To be poor, to be poor in the things of the world, is to be rich in God's eyes. Let us learn, too, from, from the rich man, you know, that we need that hunger in our life in order to recognize the hungers of others, and so that the mercy of God, which we have received so abundantly, can be unleashed from our heart to be merciful to others.
We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. Let us pray for all Christians everywhere that in this sacred time of Lent, we may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For sinners and the neglectful that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ to especially seek him in the sacrament of reconciliation, we pray to the Lord. That the hunger that is in our hearts may help us to recognize the needs of others, that we would not withhold anything uh, from, from those who are in need, so that we may receive abundantly from our Heavenly Father. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us, for ourselves too, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins. Let us pray to the Lord. For our intentions that we hold in our hearts, for those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media and jo joining us online, for their intentions, for all those who are enrolled in our Soul Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. For those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace, we pray to the Lord. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. By this present sacrifice, we pray, O Lord, sanctify our observance, that what Lent discipline, Lenten discipline outwardly de declares, it may inwardly bring about through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you will that our self-denial should give you thanks, humble our sinful pride, contribute to the feeding of the poor, and so help us imitate you in your kindness. And so we glorify you with countless angels, as with one voice of praise we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect 
especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Francis of Rome, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of God. 
for those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion at this time. We invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let us pray. May this sacrifice, O God, remain active in its effects and work ever more strongly within us through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Abide with your servants, O Lord, who implore the help of your grace, that they may receive from you the support and guidance of, and guidance of your protection through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks. Ave Regina Celorum. Ave Domina Angelorum. Salve Radic, salve Por. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. 
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Omar. And I'm Natalia. And we attend Our Lady 